Last week we concluded the first section of James. What section is that? That's James 1, verses 1 to 18. Corey did a great job. That section of James deals with trials and how to to pass through them in such a way as to glorify God. This week begins the second section of James, which deals with God's word. This morning, we're going to hear God say, listen up, hear my word. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear him say, don't just hear my word, but do my word. If you're a Christian, you've been in the church a long time, right? You're familiar with this phrase. Don't just be hearers of the words, but be, okay? But this morning is the hearer. Because you know what? Before you can do it, you've got to hear it, right? Because you can't do what you haven't heard. You hear me? Okay, you guys need to get some, like, spiritual Cuban coffee in you right now, okay? All right? Okay. You with me? All right. So, let's read James 1, 19 to 21. Turn in your Bibles. I want to hear those pages rustling, you know. Yeah, I want to hear that. There you go. That's good. James 1, 19, reading from the English Standard Version. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Doug White, along with his wife and two teenage girls, was a passenger in a King Air aircraft on Easter Sunday, April the 12th, 2009. The King Air took off from Marco Island on the way back home for Doug and his family to Louisiana. When less than 10 minutes into the flight, Doug looked over and noticed that the pilot was dead. Died of a sudden heart attack. Doug, with no experience flying the King Air 200, calls the Miami Center, the air traffic controllers in Miami, for help. We pick up the exchange between them. Doug White, Miami Center, this is King Air, Niner Delta Whiskey. I've always wanted to say that. I've got to declare an emergency. My pilot's unconscious. I need help up here. Miami Center, Roger, what are your intentions? I need to get this thing on the ground. I'm flying a King Air, Miami Center. I understand your pilot is unconscious. Doug, my pilot is dead. I need a King Air pilot to talk to me right now. I need to get off idle pilot. We are climbing through 11,000 feet. I need to get level. In the Miami control tower at that moment, the controller yells across the room, get me somebody who knows something about a King Air now. Back to Doug. The altitude is set at 10,000 but I'm going through 13,000 feet. I'm steady climbing. I need to stop the climb. Stay with me, Miami. Where are you? Let's go. Miami Center, I'm here. Don't worry. We're trying to find a solution for that. Stand by one. We have a King Air pilot here ready to talk to you. Doug, disengage the autopilot. We're going to have you hand fly the plane. Doug, disengaging the autopilot. I'm flying the airplane by hand. You find me the longest, the widest runway you can. (laughs) Miami Center, we are going to hand you off to Fort Myers to land at Fort Myers International, and they have controllers who have pilot experience. Doug, negative. I do not want to lose you. This radio is my lifeline. Friend, 
we are all flying a King Air 200 and we have no idea what we're doing. Like Doug, we need a lifeline. Doug's lifeline that day was the radio and its broadcast of the critical instructions that he needed to fly this airplane and hopefully land it. Our lifeline this morning is God's Word, which is the manual for how to live God's way and ultimately experience God's kingdom and God's blessings for all of eternity. The message this morning, the claim on your life this morning is listen up. Hear God's word with the intensity that Doug was listening to the radio broadcast that day. Hear God's word. That is the main message on your notes. That is the propositional statement. Hear God's word. God's word, my friend, today, to us, kind of comes in two ways. Do you remember we talked to you about the book of James? What do we call the book of James? We called it the New Testament's version of Proverbs. And if you're new to church or you're new to Christianity, Proverbs is an Old Testament book that has ancient wisdom sayings. Oftentimes these sayings are unrelated. You know? You know, it's like, you know, don't tug on Superman's cape. Don't spit in the wind. Okay, that's not in Proverbs. Some of you thought, hey, I don't know that's in Proverbs. Okay, but, but things like, like what we read here. You know? You know what we read here? In verse 19, open your ears, keep your mouth shut, and don't get angry. Common sense, right? Good wisdom, right? Sort of, sort of, just sort of good knowledge to have. So we have that here. We have God's word telling us how to live God's way in this world. But oh friend, we have far more than that in James. In the Old Testament... We had the wisdom sayings. In the New Testament, we have wisdom sayings that are tied to the gospel. See, it's not just, hey, this is how you live and you've got to do it on your own as if you knew how to fly the king air. You don't. See, in the New Testament, James gives us these instructions and he gives them to us and he says, these are gospel instructions. Now, how can I say that? Remember last week, And if you have your Bible open in James 1, look at verse 18. What did Corey preach from verse 18? Of his own will, he, God, brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. What does that mean here? It means that God's word isn't less than wisdom sayings, but it's more than wisdom sayings. God's word is the word of truth that God used to birth us into being new creatures. New creations. God's word gives us life. Gives us life. And so what we have here in James 1 are gospel sayings to teach us that as new creations, this is how we live. As new creations, this is what we do. The word of God births us kind of like Doug was launched into flight on the king air, and then the word of God sustains us. It's the manual to teach us how to fly the king air and hopefully land it safely. That's what God's word is. And like Doug, we need instruction. We need instruction in how to live, but more than that, we need a savior to give us new life. We don't just need wise sayings from an ancient sage. We need wisdom from a holy God who has loved us 
and died for us and gave his life for us. And as Doug listened attentively, eagerly, and at times desperately to the air traffic controllers and to that King Air pilot who had the manual in front of him, so we need to lead, listen attentively, desperately at times to the, to the one who has the manual in front of him to know how to fly the plane so that we don't crash, or as Corey said last week, so our flight doesn't get hijacked by terrorists. And often the terrorists are in our own mind. But so that we understand from this this instruction manual how the plane flies, how to put down the flaps, how to control the throttle, how to put down the landing gear at the appropriate time. That's God's word to us. And so two points. Two points. Develop an attentive heart to hear God's word. And the second point, cultivate a humble heart to receive God's word. Point number one, develop an attentive heart to hear God's word. Now, some of you may be saying right now, I don't really care about hearing God's word. Listen, I'm not in a king air. I'm not desperate. I'm happy. I'm doing fine. You would be an unbeliever. And thank you for being here this morning. We we want you here. But trust me when I say this to you. Though you may not know it, though the cabin right now is air conditioned and the plane is level, you are in a king air flying by God's grace. You know, I've never understood how planes fly. It still freaks me out. I was on planes this week. You know, I sit here and I think, how is this thing going to get up there? You know that moment when you just start, and you're going, it's not going to get up there. And it gets up in the air. That's like, how did that happen? Well, that's kind of like salvation. You know? How did it happen? I don't know. Do we deserve it? No way, but we're up in the air. And you may not think you're up in the air, but you are up in the air. <laughs> and you need somebody on the radio to tell you how to fly the thing and how to land it. One day you're going to land it. One day you're going to stand before God. Maybe real soon. It may be 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. It may be who knows when. But when Jesus comes back, you're going to stand before him. Your plane's going to land. It's going to land. You're going to stand before God. And you need desperately the instructions like Doug White needed them. So, unbeliever, thank you for being here. I pray God reveal to you that you're not on the ground in a nice, comfortable room. You are at 17,000 feet in the cabin of a King Air, and you're flying it. May that scare you (laughs) in an appropriate way, and may it convict you in a godly way to listen, to hear God's word. So hear it. Develop an attentive heart to hear God's word. Look at verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God. The way we learn to be attentive to God's word is to be quick to hear, to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And failing in any one of these dulls our ability to hear God's word. That is why why this first point, it talks about keeping the channels clear. When Doug was on the radio, they told everybody else to get off the radio. There was no interference. There was no Static. Doug had to hear the voice of that ATC controller clearly and the instructions clearly. You have got to hear the voice of God clearly. And his voice comes to you through this word. And that comes by being quick to hear. Quick to hear. Now, in the first century, when James was written, James is one of the first books written, by the way, okay, around 40 or 50 A.D., For example, the Gospel of John that we just finished studying, it was written 90 A.D. The Gospel of John was written 40 years, probably, after James was written. So when James was written, 
The church did not have the New Testament. It did not have Matthew through Revelation. So the way they learned was through the oral teaching of the apostles. So in one sense, when he says, be quick to hear, what James is saying is, hey, listen up to the teaching you're getting at church every Sunday. Be quick to hear the very word of God that birthed you, verse 18. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. You know, you know what that reminds me of? It, it, it reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. Flip back to Matthew chapter 4. Oh yeah, I'm going to make you work. Come on, man. Again, easy one, man. First book in the New Testament. First one there, gets a free Starbucks that Wally will provide for you. Matthew 4.4. Matthew 4.4 says the following. Jesus, speaking to Satan, none, none other than Satan. He says to Satan the following. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Does that sound familiar? It's the word that, that Sonia brought this morning. When she came up to me and said, I feel like I have something from the Lord, and it's from Deuteronomy, because this, this Matthew 4.4 4 is a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3. I said, oh, Sonia, that... I'm going to be sharing that. So Deuteronomy 8.3, God says you live by the word of God. Matthew 4.4 4 says you live by the word of God. Doug White knew that he lived by the instruction that the, that the, uh, the, the King Air uh, pilot was giving him from the manual. And you and I have to know that we live by the word of God. Therefore, be quick to hear. Be quick to hear the word of God. Now, how can we be quick to hear the word of God? How can we develop an attentive heart that learns to hear God's word? The very word that brought you life. Well, well here's, here's a couple of thoughts. Number one, own a good study Bible. By the way, these are in the application. This is a good study Bible. It's very heavy. It can stop bullets in case someone's shooting at you, okay? You could hit someone with it. Bam! Jack up your car. No, don't do that. This is a good study Bible. It's the ESV study Bible. And, and you need to own one. You need to read it. You need to study it. And I, wanted, I was thinking, who can I give this to in the church? Just as an illustration of how valuable this is. I mean, it is, it is an expensive Bible. And I thought, I thought of single moms, and I thought of, of women who are flying King Airs, trying to parent children by themselves. And, and, you know, often those ladies are the ones that are the first ones to say, I don't know what I'm doing. They're calling the air traffic controller immediately. The rest of us lugheads say, hey, I got it. You know, but they're like, hello, I don't know what I'm doing. Could you help me? And God's saying, yes, I will. And I thought of you, Michelle. And uh, so, Romello, would you come up here and take this and grab this? Come on up here, buddy. Come on up. Come on, run. <laughs> Quickly. Come on. Can we give Romello a hand? Yeah. <laughs> buddy. Buddy, I, I, I want to give this to you, and I want to just say something. This book, I know your mommy teaches you the Bible. I, I heard she doesn't have a study Bible, so I'm, we're providing one. But this book, Romello, is the most important book you will ever read. Why? Because it reveals who God is to you. And as your mommy sits down with you at night and you study it, they've got good study notes. I pray it would affect your life. It is the manual for life. And you know what I pray, Romello? pray... I'll, I'll sign it here and there and put some stuff that we gave it to you today. But I pray that one day you read this Bible to your son. Okay? And your son reads it to his son. 
Because these words are life. They'll never go away. All right, buddy? I love you, man. All right. Read it every day. Bring your Bible to church. Just bring your Bible to church. Pop it open, man. Study this thing. You know, you, know, you know what Doug White said after he landed the aircraft? He goes, hey, man, I did not study the King Air manual before I took that flight. I was just kind of sitting in the second seat. There was the captain. And I was just sort of kind of on the periphery listening to, you know, the air traffic controller. Hey, that's pretty cool verbiage. Wow. And I wasn't kind of paying attention. And man, there was probably a King Air manual in the glove compartment. I don't know if planes have glove compartments, but in the glove compartment. But I didn't study it. Until the pilot died, and he needed to know what was in there. Don't wait till then. Get the thing out. Open the table of contents. Challenge yourself that when I give you a scripture, you're there quickly. I don't have to give you a page number. Learn this thing. May it be your guide, your source. May you read it. Bring it on Sunday mornings. Here's one. Study the passage before you come on Sunday morning. Okay, we're, all, we're, we're talking about being quick to hear. Study the passage before you come Sunday morning. On Wednesdays, we send you an email, and we give you a little sermon tease. Corey's are great. Mine are really lame. But we give you a sermon tease, and we give you the scripture that we're going to preach on, okay? Hey, read it. If you have children, open it up and say, Sweetheart, son, we're gonna, Mr. Pino's going to preach this on Sunday. Let's read it for ourselves Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Be quick to hear. Get a good night's rest on Saturday night. Be here early on Sunday morning. Be quick to hear. Sit in a place where you're not distracted. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. You know, I guess I would echo Adley Stevenson's comments. He's a famous statesman who was teaching a class at Princeton University. And he said this to his his students right as he began the lecture. I understand that I am here to speak and you are here to listen. Let's hope we both finish at the same time. Don't check out, man. Look, Corey and I, we're not exciting. We are ordinary pastors. And in this age of video games, and if you just fill your mind with video games and 15 to 10, 10 to 15 second snippets that are most movies don't even linger on a scene more than 10 or 15 seconds because they know most Americans can't concentrate for more than 10 or 15 seconds and you watch TV all the time, and you want something exciting, I know I'm not that. (laughs) Corey's not that. He's a little more exciting than I am. But we've lost the art to listen. Turn off the TV. Read to your children. Joey and I have been doing this, and I did it with the girls. And Just get a book and just read it. Instead of watch the movie, get the book. Your imagination is far more amazing than than any TV screen. Learn, teach your children to sit quietly and listen and start by you modeling it. I know for some of us, this is going to be next to impossible. It's like raising the dead, but he can do it, man. Even those of us who graduated, you know, from the, from the detention centers that we went to, those of you who don't know, I was thrown out of junior high, thrown into some like, you know, reform school because I was selling drugs. So I didn't pay attention. I didn't learn how to be quiet. I still can't be quiet (laughs) and I can't be still. But I'm trying. Okay? Quick to hear. Slow to speak. What are we talking about here? We're developing an attentive heart to God's word. Be slow to speak. Here's the deal. First century Israel, when this was written, women had been oppressed for thousands of years. 
Women were not educated in the first century world. Not, not in Judaism or in paganism. In fact, in the synagogues, the women sat in a whole different place. Christianity is what came in and said, hey, those women are fellow heirs of Christ. You teach them with dignity. So they sat with everybody else. But unfortunately, because they didn't have the education that the men did, they they had to ask a lot of questions during the sermon. And back then when people preached, people would start interacting with with the speaker. Okay, So James is saying, hey, be slow to speak. Let me translate that for you. Shut up and listen. Because in church, they were talking back to the preacher and talking to each other. But it's more than that. In the 21st century, it's this. We are so ready to give our opinion to God. And it's bogus. And what God is saying, you'll be more blessed if you would close the one mouth you have and open the two ears that I gave you. Be slow to speak. This is an old Jewish saying. I love this. The ears are always open ever ready to receive instruction. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within proper bounds. Therefore, one should hear more than one speaks. As one who often opens my mouth to change the foot that is in there normally. Uh, Let's be slow to speak. Let's be slow to speak. And finally, slow to anger. What are we talking about here? We're talking about getting the, the, the distractions. We're talking about clearing the radio frequency so the Doug Whites, those of us that are flying these King Airs and don't know what we're doing, can hear well the word of God. Be slow to anger. Oh, friend, never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. Never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. Angry people are rarely teachable people. Angry people have a lot of static A lot of noise disrupting the communications. People who are angry are typically arrogant, self-willed, self-worshipping God wannabes. They fail to trust God, but rather want to be God. The quick-tempered, selfish anger of the world, this anger of man, as it says in verse 20, it betrays lack of trust in God and lack of love for others. Friends, anger distorts God's word, causes us to not be able to hear God's word, and it causes us to be stuck in our sin and keeps us from growing in the word of God. Develop an attentive heart to hear God's word. Our anger never, ever, ever works the righteousness of God. You see, it doesn't display the reality of the new creation we are in Christ. Remember verse 18, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Therefore, act like that new creation. Don't be angry. Be slow to anger. It only produces an ugly, unrighteous life. That is why we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Number two, in order to hear God's word, we must receive it with meekness or humility. That's the second point. Cultivate a humble heart to receive God's word. Look at verse 21, James 1, 21. <clears throat> Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The way we cultivate a humble heart to receive God's word is to acknowledge how needy, how sinful, how wicked our heart is. And look to Christ as our Savior who clothes us with the clean garments of his righteousness. Doug White had to acknowledge that he did not know how to fly the king air. We have to acknowledge that our lives, apart from Christ, 
are filled with sin and filth. That we have no idea how to live properly. I, I, I love, and we have really no idea who God is. I love, if you go to the, uh, the, the webpage for Next, which is this conference coming up uh, in May, Next, and you, and you read what's on the webpage, it says the following. We all base our lives on what, on what we believe on who God is. But is what we believe about God true? And typically it's not true. And typically we're filled with sin. And typically we don't understand what's going on. So this, this word here, what it says, put away, in verse 21, therefore put away, it's often used to describe the process of taking off an old garment to put on a new garment. And isn't that exactly what God did in verse 18? He took off the old garment and he brought us forth by the word of truth and gave us a new garment, this garment of a new creation. We're Christians. We're Christ-like ones. But what this passage is saying, to cultivate a humble heart to hear God's word, we must daily, we must daily replicate that process of putting off and putting on. It's a great picture. It's a great, great picture of this, of, of God taking off this garment of filth and putting on this garment of righteousness, or as the Bible would say, this, these robes of righteousness that Christ gives us. Great picture of this in the Old Testament. Turn to Zechariah 3, 1 through 5. Now listen, again, God is kind to you. Zechariah is the second to the last book of the Old Testament. The last book of the Old Testament is that wonderful Italian prophet, Malachi. I'm joking, that's Malachi. And then right before Malachi is Zechariah. Come on, man, let's get those manuals going. Zechariah 3, 1 to 5, I love this passage. This is a picture of Christ taking off the robes of filth and wickedness and putting on the robes of righteousness. It is a mirror of what we should do. Having had that done to us sovereignly by God, we are now daily to do it as we put the word of God on and take off the filth and the bogus thoughts we have about God, ourselves, and others and put off those things which do not honor him. Listen to Zechariah 3, 1 to 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. So there's a scene in heaven here. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Joshua is the high priest. He represents God's people. He represents Israel. He's supposedly the most holy person in the nation. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. This is a fascinating scene into heaven. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. In the Hebrew... The word for filthy garments are garments filled with excrement. He was standing there, a filthy, stinking mess. Totally unclean. Totally repugnant. Really, should have been judged. And Satan is right next to him, heaping scorn and judgment upon him. And the angel of the Lord said... To those who were standing before him. Wow. Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put on a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by, and heaven was screaming and shouting, and the son was looking at the father and saying, That is a picture of what I will do 
400 years later. And that's what he's done for you and me to cultivate a humble heart to receive God's word. We must think of the gospel daily. What has God done for us? Sovereignly. Unilaterally. And now we do it every day in obedience to him. Turn to Colossians 3, 8 through 11. I'm not going to help you with that one because Colossians is buried deep in the New Testament. Good luck. Colossians 3, 8 through 11. If you get it before your neighbor does, tell him you owe me a Starbucks. Colossians 3, 8 through 11. Colossians 3, 8 through 11 is going to give us this same command of putting off and putting on this is what it says, Colossians 3, 8, 3, 11. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on what? The new self, which is what? Being renewed in knowledge after what? The image of yourself? Of some religious person? Of some person that's so good because they go to church all the time? Of some Pharisee? No, You're being renewed in the image of the one who created you. Verse 18 of James 1. The one who brought you forth by the word of truth. Now, now, put on who you are and take off who you are not. Daily. Daily. Which brings us to the final point. If we're to cultivate a humble heart to receive God's word, then we are to receive the implanted word of God. This is actually the command of the passage. All the rest of them are sort of mini commands. Okay, You've got the gospel truth, or what we call the gospel indicative, or the gospel fact. You've been chosen, you've been given new life, God is with you, and then you have the gospel command. Therefore, verse 21, therefore, take off the filthiness, take off the wickedness that remains, that's called the flesh, and now receive the implanted word of God. That's a curious term, implanted word of God. What is that all about? Well, it's implanted because it's not inane to you. It is not something that you were born with. You are not born good. You are not born with the word of God in you. You were born rebellious. You were born evil. You were born an enemy of God. But God, God takes the word and he implants it into you. See, that's why you need to come on Sunday mornings. That's why you need to go on Wednesday nights. That's why you need to read your Bible every single day. Because that implanted word is to be implanted every day. It's being implanted in you right now. Is it finding a receptive heart? The Spirit of God is quickening to you these thoughts. Are you paying attention? Doug White, you got the radio on. Get rid of the static, the unforgiveness, the anger, the bogus thoughts about God. How quick you are to tell God how he should treat you, particularly if you don't have what you want. Turn down the static. Turn up the volume on God's word and hear God's word. Receive the implanted word of God with meekness. With meekness. Why? Because God promises to save your soul. You see that at the end of verse 21? Oh, that's a good word. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. What does that mean? It means certainly the word that birthed you, that's saving your soul, that's called justification. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection, ascension. Saving your soul is what we call sanctification. That's making you more and more like Jesus, putting off the filth and the wickedness, putting on the right things of God. Save your soul means the day that Jesus comes back, whenever that day comes, and you're going to receive a new body, 
glorified body. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. You're going to answer for what you've done in the body, but you're going to receive eternal life. I'm not understanding all of that fully, but that's what the Bible teaches. We're responsible for what we do. It matters what we do. But we could never do enough to please God to receive heaven. But because we trust Christ, heaven is what we receive. And that's a picture of Doug White landing the plane safely. Your plane is going to land on that day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the only way it's going to land safely is if you hear God's word. Receive it with meekness. The promise is you'll land safely. Let's pick back up the radio transmissions on that day, April 12, 2009. Let's find out how the story ends. This is Fort Myers' approach. Are you using the autopilot or are you flying the plane, Mr. White? Doug White, and he's from Louisiana. Me and the good Lord are hand-flying this plane. I was listening to the tape of it, and he talks very southern. It's great. Fort Myers, turn left heading 180, and we'll start working you toward the airport. Doug, turning left 180, 5,000 feet. I need to slow my descent down. I need to get my throttle set for this descent. I don't know where to set it. Okay, sir, we'll get you that information. They're going through the manual. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mr. White, leave the throttle where it is for now. Mr. White, all right. Fort Myers, how many souls on board? Doug White, five. Fort Myers, it will be runway six. It's a 12,000-foot runway, so you're going to have plenty of runway to work with, and we've got equipment standing by. Doug White, I think I see a runway at 12 o'clock, about seven miles, eight miles out. Fort Myers Tower, when you get at 150 knots, select approach flaps. You are right on the money, lined up for the runway. You can proceed visually. Just let me know when you have the gear and flaps down. Doug White, all right, gear going down. Fort Myers, you are cleared to land on runway six. Doug White, when I touch down, if I ever touch down, do I just kill the throttle or what? Fort Myers, that's correct. When you touch down, slowly kill the throttle. However, make your final approach at full flaps, 120 knots, no slower than 110 knots. Doug White, almost not realizing his mic is open. I have a dead pilot sitting beside me. Fort Myers, easy with the power, and when you get close to the runway, keep the nose up. It looks good from here. There's a pause, several seconds. Doug White, we've landed. Thank you. One day we will land in eternity with God, and like Doug, we will thank him for the mid-air instructions through his word to bring us in safely home. God promises us a safe landing, salvation now, and eternal reward on the final day of judgment if, 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 if we will hear his word and receive it with meekness. Oh, friends. Oh, friends. I appeal to you. Receive God's word. Receive it with meekness. You know, Doug wasn't up there arguing with the King Air pilot who was telling him what to do. No, 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 that's not that button. Look, I'm right here looking at it. No, you're wrong. Doug was in a position of meek, humble receptivity because he didn't know what he was doing. May God give you the grace to realize you don't know what you're doing. And may your attitude be like, I know so many of these single moms, 
Help me, God. See, that's why he brings trials. That's why he gets you to 17,000 feet with the plane continually ascending and gets you to a place where you don't know what to do and you finally realize it. He gets you there so you realize you got to have the manual and the one who wrote it speaking into your heart so that you will shut up. Be still and know that he is God. There's a passage in, in, in Romans 3. It says, God... God shows the world just how evil they are so that every mouth will be shut, every argument cease, and we bow our knee to Jesus Christ. See, friends, this passage is about how we move into or from the new birth that comes in verse 18 into the new life that has begun to be lived in verses 19 and following. Hear the word, and we're going to get into doing the word the next couple of weeks, but hear it. It births a new life in you. Hear it. Hear it humbly. Hear it attentively so that you could put to death the old nature. That's not you anymore. And put on the new nature so that you can land safely. He got you up there. He will sustain you and he will land you safely. But we must hear his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I pray that right now you would speak to every man and woman, child that's hearing my voice. I pray there would be a stillness and an attentiveness to your word right now. That we would stop speaking. Or for some, thinking the thoughts that are not your thoughts. And that we would listen to the pilot who's got the manual and he's teaching us how to fly the plane. Lord, help us to see the gospel to see our new birth in Christ totally, sovereignly, by your grace. We added nothing to that but our sin. But now to realize we have a responsibility to hear your word, to be attentive and cultivate a humble heart. Lord, even now as we transition to receiving these elements, may we rejoice in your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.